Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Steve McGookin, and I'm here in rainy Belfast today, and I'm a former chairman of the New York Spurs. Hello, my name is Thomas Nygren. I write about Liverpool on a website called lfcsv.se, a Swedish site about Liverpool. Great. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, up first, I want to ask a question that I myself have had multiple viewpoints on over the last few weeks. Uh, and so, Steve, very glad to have you on so that we can hear your thoughts on it. Is Ever since the Kane injury, it seemed like everybody dismissed Tottenham from the title chase that I never particularly thought Tottenham were in. It felt like from the beginning of the season, it was going to be City and Liverpool, and then Tottenham were probably in third, and then kind of the cavalcade of other clubs are falling behind there. But now still just five points behind with a game in hand uh, over Manchester City. Do you guys think that Tottenham are legitimately in the title race this season? Well... Uh, it's also something I've been wrestling with, Kev, to be honest with you. Um, one of my favorite tweets this week uh, was that Spurs had been dragged into a title race against their will. <laughs> uh, I think I think that's where we are. I think on any other weekend, um, you would probably be reading in the Sunday papers about how we are a legitimate contender. But, you know, it's... Um, it, it, it does seem to be a bit like the political pundits in the U.S. at the moment with everyone <clears throat> declaring for president. They love a good horse race and, and the back pages here are, are no different. But obviously, I think the way City played yesterday and against Chelsea, and we'll come on to talk about that in a, in a little bit, obviously, you know, the, the other team that had upended the economics of the game in, in recent years, obviously that's going to dominate the coverage uh, this weekend. And, and it's possible that we'll continue to fly under the radar radar for a, for a bit longer which which suits me perfectly fine but um i think it's it's undeniable that we're we're there for now in spite of the injuries to harry and delhi as, as you said and 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 in spite of having sunny away for a month and look at how much of an impact he's had since he came back and and uh, what i think we realize now is that every point we get now while harry and delhi are out they're going to be our most important points of the season. So if we're able to sustain this form and and especially show the sort of character that we um, that we showed today, for example, then I think we're going to be there or thereabouts. But I was at the five four game last year, the Leicester game, and uh, and today was never going to be anything like that. But but what really impressed me and what I was really pleased with today was the character and the application that the team showed, especially when we got into that sort of crucial final 15 minutes. And, and you know, along with the Newcastle result and the Fulham result recently, that today was like the epitome of, of grinding out a result when we needed to. But um, at the risk of being seen as 
too negative, and I, I kind of like to think of myself as being pragmatic rather than negative, as you know, Kev. Uh, usually when you and I have these conversations, I always say that <clears throat> the most important column in the league table, both at the top and, and even more so at the bottom, is the um, the goal difference column. Mm-hmm. But I think for us now, it's a different column. And, and I think the reason I don't think we're legitimate challengers is that uh, that losses column. We've already lost six games. Mm-hmm. Uh, City have lost four. Liverpool just lost the one. So, in order for us to go on and win the league, it means we, you know, we pretty much have to win the rest of our remaining games and hope the others slip up. So, um, I mean, obviously, we have to go to to City and Liverpool, and obviously, if we were able to win those, uh, it would put a, a very different complexion on things. But I can't see one of the two above us collapsing completely. So, I think that our aim at the moment is in the context of all three of us dropping points over the, over the coming games. Uh, I think our aim is to consolidate that third spot, especially, especially with a very resurgent uh, Man United coming up behind us. And, and, and also don't forget our, our early season inconsistencies uh, and the, 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 the lack of performance that we had early in the season that came when we had a full strength team. So the fact that we're able to play the way we did today is is an absolute bonus. I mean, today, uh, we'll, we can come on to talk about it later as well. Ericsson definitely stepped up. Winks had a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hugo made his first Premier League penalty save for five years, and then, you know, Sonny did what he does best. It was definitely an anxious last 15 minutes, but but uh, uh, and after Leicester scored. But it's uh, it's never dull, as you know, as you know, Kev. And it's... It, it's never a good sign when the referee's name is is trending on Twitter, and uh, you know there's plenty of debate we can have about a number of the decisions. But thankfully, we got what we got the right outcome today, and that sets us up, I think, for the next run of games. But obviously, something like racking up those yellow cards the way we did today won't won't help us in the in the long run. So, are we le- legitimate title contenders? We are now. I don't think we will be at the end of the season, and. Um, and as for you know who I think will win the title in the end, I think when you and I spoke about this the last time, I, I thought it was Liverpool's year, and I'll I'll stick with that. I mean they're they're playing with just a tremendous flair, and and most importantly at the moment confidence, and I think that's going to be the key. The more City put on shows like they did today, the more they'll appear to be invincible, and as long as that doesn't shake Liverpool's self belief, then I I, I think they'll. Uh, I think they'll do it in the end. I, I, and I think actually, and I'd be interested to hear what Thomas thinks about that. I think it could come down to something as simple as who goes the furthest in Europe. Uh, you could say that City's priority that this year is the Champions League. So if Pep is um, is picking teams with those games front of mind, then then who knows what the, the, the cumulative effect might be. Uh, I mean, we saw that Newcastle have, have proved that City are not invincible. And as I say, they've already lost four games so far, but I, I, they, they do seem to be coming good at the right time. So, um, yeah, we're, we're there now. Will we be there at the end of the season? I'm not so sure. I think it'll be a tight two-horse race, but uh, I think Liverpool will edge it in the end. Well, uh, <clears throat> I had stopped uh, caring about Tottenham's results for uh, almost two weeks or something like that, but then... Uh, after we drew both with uh, Leicester and West Ham, I realized that Spurs are only five points behind us. Uh, so um, I have to say that they still is uh, they are still a contender. But um, 
very much an outsider because Spurs still have to go to both Etihad and Anfield and uh, pro- they would probably need to win both of those games to be okay. really in it. Uh, yeah. And I've been waiting for, as I said earlier, I've been waiting for Spurs to drop off in this battle for at least a month, but somehow they just keep on winning without impressing very much when you watch them play. And uh, somehow that's a sign of a really good team that they can gain points without playing very well. And um, I've also been saying for years now that Spurs rely too much on Harry Kane. But uh, every time he goes out, they just they just keep on winning. If it's not uh, Son who scores, it's Eriksen who scores, or even Llorente who scores. And um, in the end, I don't think they really have the squad depth to, to uh, compete with Manchester City. I'm not sure that we have the squad depth to compete with them either, because um, they have the biggest squad and the best squad in the league. We have a bigger squad than Spurs, and we're in a better position. So, of course, we have a big, we have a bigger chance to to win the league. Uh, Spurs need to be five points better than us in the remaining part of the season, and they need to be two points better than Manchester City. And uh, I think that this will be a too hard uh, uh, quest for them. And um, as you said, a part of it will, of course, be decided by Champions League. If Spurs go out before, uh, in, maybe in the next round, and we and both Liverpool and City gets to the semi-finals or something like that, we um, we will have hard to cope to, with to playing in uh, in both Champions League and the league. You could see during December that we had uh, an advantage to the uh, to the other teams that we were out of both League Cup and the FA Cup later, so <coughs> that we could rest players and uh, go to Dubai and practice. And um, that, I think that it, that would be good for us in the remaining part of the season, that we haven't played as many games as both Spurs and City. But um, I don't think that it would be a disaster if Liverpool goes out to Bayern Munich in the next round of Champions League, because I think Manchester City will... Um, I think they, they want to win Champions League more than they want to win the Premier League, because they've never done that. So mm-hmm. um, And... Uh, for us, it's the Premier League that counts. We haven't won it in almost in, since 1990, and it's uh, soon 30 years since we won it. And I think that uh, every Liverpool fan wants to win the Premier League more than the Champions League. So um, if we go out in the next round in the quarterfinal, we'll, we only need to play the Premier League games. We can rest our players in midweek when they sit to play in the quarterfinals and semifinals of Champions League. So. That would be uh, an advantage for us. Of course, I want us to win both Premier League and Champions League, but I don't think that we have the squad to to play. We can't play Firmino, Salah and Mane in every game. We need to rest them sometimes. And uh, if, we are, if we're still in the Champions League, I fear that we will rest them in the Premier League. And uh, then we can start. Then we might start to drop points in games we need to win. Yeah, you brought up a lot of really interesting uh, points there. First, on um, the winning without Harry Kane. I actually did an article on Sun this week uh, in, in a fantasy vein for ESPN. And um, while digging through that, if Sun is available, Tottenham have won 12 of 13 matches without Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. And and he scored in 10 of the last 11 games he's played in yeah. for us. So before, just... before and after the the. the trip to the asia cup yeah i i think you, you, he's absolutely undroppable at the moment yeah it's it's he's just been fantastic uh, also um thomas a fantastic point that they still have to go to 
both the Etihad and to Anfield. Um, and I have seen some Tottenham accounts kind of doing some double counting that I just want to point out because I've pe- seen people say Tottenham have the best away form in the Premier League this season, have picked up the most points away from home this season, and their two biggest matches are away from home, so they have an advantage. And it's probably worth pointing mm-hmm. out that the reason that we're first in away <laughs> points is that we haven't played teams like that away yet. Um, so just... Very good point. Like, we have been good away from home, but being like, oh, they have so many points. It's like, yeah, we haven't had those matches yet. So uh, we will see. But but I, I agree with both of you um, in that Tottenham basically have to win out. Pochettino said as much in his press conference this week uh, to even be in there, which is why I think that, that joke tweet you mentioned at, at the open of your comments, Steve, was so perfect of we've accidentally been pulled into a title race. It's because yeah. before this stretch, I was saying a lot that I thought we were winning the top four race and that we weren't in the title race. And now we're now we are in the title race, but we're losing it, <laughs> and we're still winning the top four race. Um, but it, it will get very interesting. What happens with Chelsea? And we'll, we'll get onto them in a second. Is very interesting because before Tottenham get into the City and Liverpool matches, which are late March and then later for for City, Chelsea and Arsenal are soon. Those, those that's the last week of February, the first week of March, immediately followed by the second leg against Dortmund and the Champions League. So I think we will find out very soon how legitimate Tottenham are there. But if, if Tottenham can beat both Chelsea and Arsenal, that pretty much seals top four for the rest of the season. I, I mentioned on our transfer show that I think it's United that'll take that fourth spot, and it yeah. seems to be leaning that way at the moment. But of course, things change in football. But um, yeah, I, I think the the end result is that Tottenham are losing the title race at the moment. They are in it. They're just losing it. But top four, definitely winning that one. And and I'll just kind of wrap up with the stat that came out around the new year, which was um, there's never been a team that had 15 wins in the first 20 matches that didn't win the title. And Mm. Liverpool City and Tottenham all had 15 wins or more Mm. at that point. So, like, it's, it's no... When when this inevitably happens, when one of these three teams falls off, as Steve said, Tottenham, probably the more likely, this is not a failure for any of these three clubs. And I am a thousand percent sure it'll be like dressed up that way. The people will say somebody lacked the character or the heart or they didn't have enough drive or they crumbled or they bottled it. These are just three really, really good teams and one team yeah. wins the title. And so I just kind of want to preempt that narrative, at least on our own show, that there are three yeah. good teams this year, and the teams that don't win the title, it's because there were other really good teams. And Steve, as you said, um, it's not just that Tottenham need one of City or Liverpool to slip up from here. It's that they need both of them to, yeah. and that's just yeah. very unlikely for me. All right, uh, now we will head into a very different situation by discussing Everton, because after a promising start, a Marco Silva-managed side is falling off the pace yet again. Why do you think this keeps happening uh, under his management? Well, uh, certainly the press here, the rumor mill uh, working overtime this weekend and and looking at uh, suggesting that Everton might be looking at at, uh, bringing in Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, but obviously, you know, there'd be a risk to any kind of mid-season change. But uh, Silva hasn't, I, I don't know why, and, and we're going to come on to talk a little bit about Chelsea later, and, and there's very there's similarities with Sarri as well. They just don't seem to have any traction, any consistency. You know, that's that's the really interesting thing. It's like Everton should be one of the leading clubs in that chasing group behind the top six. But that they 
they're slipping. Their consistency is poor. They can't seem to get their um, their act together in terms of uh, putting the same team and getting the same team to play the same way each week. And and you know you have to look at. I think part of it is not so much Silva himself, but um, look at he's got a mix and match squad. He's basically inherited a mix and match squad uh, for players that were signed by. Even going back to the Moyes era, uh, for example, I mean he's he's brought in players like uh, Richarlison and and Yerry Mina and actually Lucas Dina looks very good. I, I'm very impressed with him. But at the end of the day, it's it's essentially he's working with other managers' players, and uh, and so there's there's that challenge that he has to overcome. Uh, I mean, obviously they have a uh, they have an issue with conceding a lot of goals from set pieces. I think that's. That's true, but um, but really, I mean, I think for me, I think their issue is that they've never really replaced the contribution that Lukaku made. Uh, I mean, that was you know twenty twenty five goals a season, and 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 if you just don't have somebody who's who's scoring that much on a consistent on a regular basis, then um, you know that's. Uh, it, it's a, it's going to be a real challenge. I mean, they're sitting they're sitting in ninth tonight. I'm just looking at the table now. They're sitting in ninth, um, and they have a negative goal difference. But but the thing is, if the three teams behind them win their games in hand, then they could they could slip down to eleventh or twelfth, and that's that's not where they need to be right now. But I think that the, unless they collapse, unless they basically you know just just fall apart for the for the remainder of the season. I think that the Everton board should uh, should keep him, should stay uh, stick with Silva and give him a chance at least if they have any investment money available, give him a chance to to you know try and build his own team rather than deal with the you know the island of misfit toys that he's kind of inherited uh, from two or three previous managers. So it, it, it's definitely a challenge, but. Um, as I, as I say, I think the, 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 their main problem on the pitch is is just not scoring enough goals. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, I'm not sure that Marco Silva is good enough to coach a team at this level because he, he keeps making the same mistakes in every club he coaches. And uh, the way that Everton has been playing in the past month is uh, terrible. If you look at what kind of squad they have, they should be able to be at least 7th or 8th. Eight, by, by some margin and now they are in the middle of the table close to the bottom part of it and they've signed quite a lot of players in the past years and even though I think some of them are a bit overrated they have uh, have to do better than they do now and uh, they concede a lot of goals on set pieces and that is something that teams coached by Silva always do and uh, if, you, if you can't change those errors I'm not sure that he is uh, is good enough to coach a side like Everton because they should be at least they should they should be closer to sixth place than uh, the twentieth place, and they don't create many chances. And uh, especially since they lost to us in the derby, they have been really poor. Maybe I'm, I'm not sure if that um, affected them mentally to lose in the way they did against us, but uh, they have they have played very bad since uh, they played us. And before that game, I was a bit worried that uh, that they could gain some points from us, but. Uh, of course, it's a lot up to the players as well, and Silva should get some time to make the team play the way he wants. But um, they keep getting worse and worse, and that is, uh, of course, worrying signs for them because the start of the season was quite good. Mm-hmm. Silva started well at Watford as well, and uh, 
then he started to drop points like he does now. And, uh, and in the end, he got fired from Watford. I thought the rumors of Everton wanting him was behind the drop of form, but maybe it was just that the other teams learned how to deal with the Silva team. Uh, when uh, Everton had David Moyes, they were a hard-working team. It was hard to beat them. It wasn't very entertaining, but they were a good side. And since he left, they have been getting further away from that and trying to do other stuff under both uh, Martinez and Kuman. And now under Marco Silva, they don't they don't really have an identity. I can't uh, I can't really say what kind of team Everton is today. And uh, something needs to change in that club. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a new manager at Goodison before the end of this season. But uh, hopefully Marco Silva will stay at Everton at least when, for the second derby. So um, I'm, I'm not impressed with uh, Marco Silva at all, actually. And uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, this is uh, maybe his last chance of a club at uh, Everton's, of Everton's size. So he needs to change things. At the club, if he if he wants to keep on coaching teams at the top half of Premier League. Yeah, I talked about Everton a lot in our transfer special, so I don't want to get into it too much. Um, but basically, I was saying that the uh, loss to Wolves it was particularly humiliating for them because Wolves have become what Everton were supposed to be. It's Wolves mm-hmm. that are challenging the top six. They're the ones that Arsenal and Chelsea are going to have to start looking over their shoulder for. Um, they're the ones that are picking up big results against the big clubs. If memory serves, what they knocked Liverpool out of the cup. They've gotten points against City and Tottenham. Um, mm-hmm. I think Arsenal as well. So like they're they're that scary outside the big six club that Everton were supposed to be. Uh, and, and people can point the finger at Wolves and their uh, agent alignment and the money that they spent. But Everton have spent just as much, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with both of you. I think the players are far better than the results that they're getting, which I think is one of the reasons why a lot of the focus is falling on the manager. I also think that at the start of the season, like you were saying, Thomas, they were playing at their best. Most of their good players were playing at their best. Uh, particularly Sigurdsson was pulling the strings everywhere. Walcott was just being a fast guy on the right that was stretching defenses. Richarlison, when he was on the left or up front, was scoring the goals. And it just seems like all of that has slowed down. And so the the kind of statistician in me expects that we've seen the best and the worst and that the truth is going to end up somewhere in the middle. But as you say, Thomas, with, with the, the, the trajectory they're on right now is pointing pretty close to straight down. Um, I, don't, I don't know if sacking him fixes it this season. Uh, I agree a little bit more with you, Steve, on give him a summer, especially now that you brought in Overmars as your director of football. Know mm. that he'll find you some talent. Um, Idrissa Guy probably will go to, to a bigger club in the summer. Who knows what happens with this is just the absolute cavalcade of uh, Barcelona loanies, some of whom have options to buy, some of whom don't. Um, so we'll just kind of see where all of those, those pieces land. But I do agree that this isn't fully his team, but he's had he's been in situations like this before, and we've had the same result. So... You know, you got to change something. Otherwise, this is just going to keep happening. The set piece thing is insane. Just how poor they are from set pieces. And did I see something right that the three worst teams ever defending set pieces were all his teams in the Premier League? Is that right? It was something like that. I read that too. That would not surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is is just incredible. And I think, Thomas, that's what you were alluding to when you were like, you have the same problem. Like, how how do you have the same problem at three different clubs without addressing it? Um, So anyway, we'll we'll see what happens. I I don't think that they should sack him because they were never going to do better than seventh this season. They're in ninth right now, so they're not so far away from that. Although, Steve, as you say, if if they drop off uh, or, or lose... 
um, and other teams win their games in hand, they, they could start to tumble down the table. But they aren't going to get relegated. They also aren't going to get a European spot. So for me, there's little there's little point in just kind of upheaving everything. Just give it to the summer. And if then you want to sack him, fine. If then you want to back him, also fine. Um, but I think making a change now could bring you into potentially the relegation zone with an argument of maybe getting better. And I think it's probably a little wiser to just stay where you are and, and address things in the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And and also, uh, uh, as for potential replacements, Bielsa, uh, you know, could even be more available depending on what Leeds do at the uh, at True. the end of the season. So True. And anybody outside the top six, as soon as there's a managerial change, Eddie Howe. Go get Eddie Howe. Even if Pochettino <laughs> left in the summer, we should go get Eddie Howe. It's, it's shocking to you- me that he's still there. He'll never leave. He'll never leave Bournemouth. I don't. I, I think his next job will probably be England manager. <laughs> Interesting. Well, we'll certainly see what happens there. That would take a, a failing of. Sorry, about I honestly can't see him uh, leaving leaving that environment. Uh, mm. I mean, unless they're unless they absolutely implode, which I I can't see. Yeah. Um, I just I do, I just don't see him managing at a at a top six team. Yeah, could could well be, but for a club like Everton or Leicester, if they do sack Puel with their young core, I think he could do very good things there. But sorry, Bournemouth fans, not trying to convince your manager to leave. No, just think that's, he's very that's good and can do well there. elsewhere. Why would why would he leave Bournemouth for Everton? He's he's got a much better setup at Bournemouth. Mm, true. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, kind of sticking with managers, this wasn't exactly the angle I was planning on taking uh, when I sent the rundown out <laughs> early in the Chelsea City match. But now, certainly questions have to be asked of Sari after a 6-0 uh, drubbing at the hands of Manchester City. Uh, in the last 10 matches, the teams Chelsea have beaten have been Huddersfield, Newcastle, Palace, Watford, and Bournemouth. While they've lost to Bournemouth, Arsenal, Southampton, Leicester, and City, which, as I wrote this, was 4-0 and ended up being 6-0. One interesting note on those losses, they didn't score in any of them. They got right. held to nil in all of those big losses. And then the huge loss today, um, I don't want to take it to the has he lost the locker room stuff because it's the Chelsea locker room. Nobody ever had it to begin with. But right. what do you think is happening at Chelsea this season? I, uh, who knows? I mean, I'll, I'll go back to what I said in the, in the previous segment about Silva uh, and how important it is to get traction and consistency and clearly Sarri hasn't hasn't been able to get that he hasn't been able to get started basically no momentum no consistency and just to you know talking about those previous results Kev I think the biggest red flag was actually that 4-0 uh defeat to Bournemouth I mean mm. they, that especially since they had already beaten Bournemouth uh in in the return fixture so in a way they haven't resolved the issues that were thrown up by that uh, by that defeat, which in and of itself uh, w- would send um, uh, red flags through every every team in the top six, if that if that was to happen. I mean, today is kind of was kind of a. Uh, I mean, City were just great; they were just outstanding. But um, this is this is Chelsea we're talking about here, and this is as I said, as I, I, I intimated in the in the opening segment, this is a team who basically for whom money is no object, uh, and so whenever they're torn apart like this by uh, obviously another team <laughs> for whom money is no object, uh, then clearly there's there's an issue. But but as I say, the the, the bigger red flag for me was that four 0 defeat to Bournemouth, and and. Whatever the issue was there has not been addressed. Now, I, I do think 
um, there is a similarity, a little bit of a similarity to what was happening at United before Mourinho left, uh, but not quite as extreme. I mean, I think these are, these are obviously good players. What's that, sorry? Or public. Or indeed, or public. But these are obviously good players. Now, either you're playing them out of position, you're not playing them in, in a way that, that encourages them to gel with each other. Uh, the jury's still out on Higuain, for example. I mean, the, you know, it's very uh, telling that, um, uh, that, that sorry went to the wall to get Higuain, Higuain and, and uh, forced the club to, uh, to set aside their over-30 policy, for example, to bring in a, a player that still has to, has to prove himself. Um, I, I just think there's something he seems to be approaching every game differently without actually trying to get some some way for the players to gel together. That's how it seems to me. Uh, I mean, there, there, there was a couple of games where he was playing Hazard out of, out of position, he was playing uh, Kante out of position. Uh, you know, it it just doesn't seem to be. It seems to be like an ongoing experiment rather than an, an, an attempt to kind of build consistency going forward. I mean, you could say, you know, they are where they are. Obviously, today was was a uh, was a blip. Uh, the city were were great today, quite frankly, and and you know they're 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 still in sixth. They're in a cup final, but obviously they they won't be looking forward to, to playing City again. Um, but I think that that analogy with United and the problems that that United have as a structure, uh, but but at the end of the day, you still have good players. There's still good players there, and Chelsea's next league game is is at home to United, so. Um, so that's going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting way to see how how Sari matches up with uh, with, with a resurgent uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, it's been a <clears throat> strange season for Chelsea. They started it with by winning almost every game, and uh, now now they they lose every other game. So there are some worrying signs, of course, for them. Not only because they drop points, it's uh, the way that they drop points and. Uh, the comments that Sadie made about the players' mentality a few weeks ago was also something that gives you the feeling yeah. that the team isn't feeling very well at all. Um, the way that they fall apart against both Bournemouth and City isn't what you have to, should expect from a team that won the league just a few years ago. Um, Sa- of course, Sadie is new to both Premier League and Chelsea and didn't have the time to sign as many players as he wanted this summer. And just as Marco Silva, he needs time to make them play the way he wants, but... Chelsea doesn't really have a history of giving struggling managers more time. Um, I read that this that uh, that would change with Sarri, that they would give him the time to build his team. But uh, they have sacked big names before, so uh, I hope for Chelsea that they give him more time. But because uh, he's a good manager, but uh, it doesn't really work for him at Chelsea now. It's no disaster to lose to a team like Manchester City, but. They lost the game in 15 minutes, and mm-hmm. um, that that shouldn't happen. Um, especially they they beat them the last time. They they, sh- they should know what to do to make City work for it. And now I didn't have the time. I didn't have time to see the first 15 minutes of the game, and I I didn't have to watch the game at all because it was over <laughs> before it started for me. No, they started the season well, but in the past months they have it hasn't been working at all. Um, and they have made some strange decisions um, on the transfer market as well. Of course, they have Christian Pulisic coming in, but when uh, Sarri commented that, it sounded like he didn't know that he was signing him. And uh, he wanted to keep Fabregas 
and they let him go without getting a real replacement. And uh, they had uh, Hudson Odoi who wanted to go to Bayern Munich. They got a big, they would have gotten a big fee for him, but they didn't want him to leave. And today he wasn't even on the bench. Mm. So um, it's hard to see who makes the calls at uh, Chelsea because my feeling is that it isn't uh, Sarri who was behind all those calls. And then if they miss out on Champions League, I think they will lose Hazard for to the next season. So uh, it's a big task for Sarri in the, the remaining part of the season because uh, something needs to change. And if they lose next weekend, they in the next game, next league game, they will. Uh, it will be hard for them to reach Champions League and. Uh, it it looked like a few months ago that they were that we were safe that they were easily fourth yeah yeah mm-hmm. Manchester United was out of the race fourth a month ago and now they are ahead of Chelsea mm. yeah and, and both of those trends could adjust again which is why I said you know if Chelsea win yeah. a couple then then they're back up there especially uh, with United oh no that's not in the league is it I think it's one of the cups um, but. Uh, for Chelsea, things are not getting better from here. And I, th- I think it's one of the reasons why they might just stick with him. Because if, if you're thinking about sacking Sari this morning, which admittedly I did say on Twitter was like sacked in the morning, question mark. Just because if, <laughs> if you suffer a defeat that big, it, it just has to bring that question. Like when uh, AVB lost to Liverpool, despite having a red card early in the match. Yeah. If you yeah. lose in a match that badly with that kind of profile, it, it kind of brings out that stuff. But if you bring in a new manager tomorrow morning which I said on Twitter, but absolutely don't do. Their, their next matches will be Malmo home and away in the Europa League. But aside from that, domestically, <laughs> it's United City Tottenham. Mm. That, that's not... You don't want to bring in a new manager and just lay that gauntlet yeah. in front of them. Like United handled the sacking of Jose brilliantly. Give yeah. Solskjaer the easiest path a manager will have during the season. Build the momentum. And then when you start facing big teams like Tottenham, then you go out and win them. Um but yeah, for Chelsea, it's 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 gone very badly, hasn't it? I, I think one of the most interesting things, and I, I should have said something about this on the transfer show, is how interesting is it that as soon as he signed, he made them sign Jorginho, a player he was already familiar with. Then in January, as you said, he brings in another player he's familiar with in Higuain. Now, managers want to bring in players they're already familiar with. It makes sense. It tends to make betting into the club easier. But I'm starting to think, what if that has been responded to in the locker room as the Chelsea squad feeling like he's preferring his previous players to his current players because he wasn't giving Morata or Giroud a chance at the end for reasons. I mean, it didn't come out of nowhere, but he was playing Hazard up front, not playing either of them, goes out and finds a striker, means they get rid of Morata, means that Giroud's basically never going to see the pitch again. In the summer, you go out and bring in Jorginho, who was fantastic for Napoli. There's there's no arguing that, but you immediately replace Conte and Conte's preferred role with a player you're already familiar with, right. like, like that cannot send a good message to the dressing room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's a very good point. I, I, I agree with you, Kevin. I, I don't think they're going to sack him, uh, but I think um, if, if for hypothetical sake, if the Bournemouth game, the four nil against Bournemouth, and today's game had been swapped, if they'd lost six nil against City and then lost 4-0 to Bournemouth oh, yeah. today, I think there, there would be an awful lot more pressure on, on, on his shoulders. That's a fantastic point. Yeah, and I think they play uh, Tottenham in the next league game, according to mm-hmm. live score. And if they lose in a derby against Tottenham now, it, will be, uh, it would be tough for uh, Sade to, to get back. Yeah, and that could be both Kane and Delhi back. 
Mm. Which is what happened to Chelsea last year. What was that? 3-1, I think it was. The Tottenham against Chelsea last year where we yeah. brought Kane yeah. off the bench to just kind of seal it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if something like that happens again, it'd be tough for him to stay. Just Not because I think any of us think that that's how he should be treated, but just because that's how Chelsea typically treat their managers. Yeah. Right. And also, I, I re- just realized I made a mistake. I uh, They play United in the Cup, not in the league, don't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, if um, but it, it'll be an interesting test if they if they go out of the cup to um, uh, to United at this stage as well. That's that's uh, again just going to um, make it harder for them. Yeah. Oh, and uh, one final thought that both of you mentioned about how good of a manager Sarri is and how he should be given uh, extended time because of it. He's also probably the le- the least decorated manager they brought in mm. in the Abramovich era. That's right. Like he has never... not won anything. Yeah. He plays yeah. beautiful football. I mean, we haven't really seen it, but he typically plays beautiful football. There is not the winning pedigree that a lot of the previous managers have had. So maybe that means his leash is even a little shorter than some of his uh, predecessors. Possibly, yeah. All right, now we will take a quick break, and then we'll be back with club-specific questions for each of our guests. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, and we are back. Steve, we'll start off with you talking about Tottenham. Um, I saw something on Twitter this week that said, imagine if Tottenham had bought any players in the summer or January or had moved into their new stadium, kind of with the implication that we're kind of in the title race, but if we had bolstered the squad or if we were in our new stadium, that could have encouraged an even stronger season where maybe we'd be more holy in the uh, more holy in the title race that we mentioned earlier. Do you think either of those things have penned back this squad, or you know we we do have our highest points tally at this stage in the season? Do you think that yeah. those are really just kind of excuses on the side? Yeah, that that was the exactly the point I was going to make. I mean, uh, I think the uncertainty over the stadium at this stage, Kev, has been priced in. Uh, I mean, everybody is basically expecting this to just drag on and drag on. I mean, a project this size, as we have talked about before, um, you're always going to have uh, things that that come up that are unexpected. I mean, obviously, the marketing uh, of of the stadium and the, um, the you know the whole uh, Champions League marketing hasn't been uh, a, a tremendous success, but I think by that by this stage of the season, that that uncertainty has has really been priced in, um, and I don't think I mean as far as I know, it, it it hasn't really affected the way in which the players think about uh, which is going to be the first game in the new in the new stadium, for example. So again, 
you know, we don't have any certainty on that. Uh, it's a bit like Brexit over here. Anything could happen. We have no clue as to how this is all going to resolve itself. Um, the the issue about not signing anybody, I think, is another one of these perennial arguments that we could say, um, well, there, there are two ways to look at this. On the On the one hand, we have always this issue of how do you go out and attract a player to come to your club when they know they're not going to be a first choice. And this is this is something that, um, you know, without spending 80, 90, 100 million pounds on a player, who are we going to get that's actually going to be uh, a first choice in our in our current 11? And that's been that's been our, our challenge and our downfall in a way, because it's it hasn't allowed us to um, to to make those sorts. We haven't had the resources available to make those sorts of investments. So so. In in a good way, the good side of that is we've brought on players from the from the youth setup. Oliver Skip played today, for example, and he's been uh, very impressive in the handful of games that he's had so far. Um, but I think, in a way, both those aspects are are already baked into where we stand at the moment. I think if we were if we were doing an if we were doing an Arsenal or an Everton or or a team that that really isn't uh achieving if if we were underachieving then there would be a lot more questions about well what's the reason for that but as you obviously pointed out in the in the in the uh, posing the question you can't argue with results especially with the uh i mean obviously it's been disappointing to go out of the two cups but our performance in the league has been such that it has insulated the club and insulated potch to a certain extent from from any criticisms of uh, of not adding to the squad, so um, I think Spurs fans in general are just kind of resigned to the fact that that we we have no certainty over the stadium. We still don't know what exactly is going to happen, um, and we are you know stuck with the squad. And it's terrible to say we're stuck with the squad we have because, quite frankly, and we say it all the time it's when you look really one, to, <laughs> you look one to eleven. Uh, we are as good at a first team as any team in the Premier League. I will say I feel a little less strongly about that with Dembele gone. Um, mm. Because then can you improve on Winks or Sissoko? Probably. I mean, they yeah. both stepped up fantastically. And it is frankly miraculous that not buying a center uh, midfielder in either window hasn't stung us. But both of them yeah. stepping up has, has been massive. Um, that, that's that's a very fair point, and and Winks was excellent today. By the way, another mm-hmm. excellent game for for him today. But uh, but yes, that's that's a fair point. But yeah, we'll 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 see uh, what happens. But but you're thinking that neither of those situations have too significantly impacted the season, at least in the league. I I just think it, you you look at where we are in the league, and you look at how we're grinding out the results uh, when key players are out, uh, especially you know at the moment in the last sort of six weeks or so. Uh, and and it's hard to see how we how we could really improve that. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I mean, if we can get these results without Kane and Delhi, it already shows how strong the squad is. Um, going forward, I assume young players is just going to be the way to go. Sign young players, sell them. Eventually, they'll get into the first team, and maybe they will. Um, the other question I have for you is with the with the injuries that have happened this season, with some of the tactical stuff he's had to do in order to make way. Are you more impressed with this season from Pochettino than any of the previous? Yes, I am actually, and and I know you and I have talked about the uh, the way in which he sets up um, 
based on the opponent and and uh, he I think he's learning this is this is the interesting thing you and I have always talked about uh, the fact that we can't criticize him for not winning a, a trophy if he's learning if he's learning season on season and mm-hmm. we went through a phase where our game management was poor uh, you know especially in the Champions League games for example when uh, going out against Juventus in the Champions League last season that was and then starting um, off with Inter this year. Exactly. And, and, and we, we didn't seem to be learning from that. But I do think, uh, I mean, I still have an issue sometimes with, um, with his substitutions, how late he leaves it sometimes. But the, generally speaking, uh, again, the, 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 proof is in the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And, uh, you know, we're, we're being able to grind out the results. And, and again, it shows tremendous character on the, from the players who we have. And I think going back to the to the lack of spending or the lack of investment the other side of that of course kev is that that's a huge vote of confidence in the players that we have you know it's like saying to to mm. the to the first team we we we're acknowledging the fact that we can't go out and get someone who's better than you so all in all i you know i there's nothing we can do about it both those aspects the stadium aspect and the and the transfer budget but uh you know, I'm I'm still pretty happy with the start we've made and the points that we have in the bag. Yeah, and it should be noted because um, you mentioned there that Poch in the Premier League being as good as he was uh, is that while the fans want a trophy, Daniel Levy is his boss. And if you think that Poch's objectives each year sent down by Levy aren't get Champions League, get us that money again, you're probably right. kidding yourself a little right. bit. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely right. I think that's that's where our ambitions have to be for for right now. Certainly, especially with the stadium costs continuing to inflate and the uh, schedule yeah. continually being delayed, because you still have to pay the people to show up and do all of those things. Um, all right, Thomas, coming to you now to talk about Liverpool. I want to talk a little bit about Roberto Firmino. We did so earlier in the season, uh, and then he kind of caught form there around the turn of the year. Um, had an awesome uh, flick on to Salah yesterday. Just curious to, to hear your confidence in him and if that's maybe a position that you would address in the summer. Yeah, um, uh, Firmino has been play, played a bit uh, further down the, the pitch uh, in, the, in the formation that we used during December and January when we played Salah in the center up front. Uh, yesterday he played in the old formation that we used last season and uh, Going forward, that is uh, a lot better both for him and uh, Salah. Maybe uh, we get a, lit- a little bit more um, easier to hurt defensive when we play like that. But against a team like Bournemouth, it's a good way to attack them because uh, Firmino and Salah, when they play close to each other, they can uh, create chances out of nothing. And uh, we needed a reaction of the two draws. So um, to play like we did yesterday, was, uh, it was perfect. Firmino should have scored a goal. He had a great chance in the second half. But um, I, I really like Roberto Firmino. He's, um, I think he's one of the most important players in this team because he's both an attacker and uh, one of the best uh, defensive players as well because he runs a lot. He makes it hard for the opponents to uh, start their attacks. And uh, maybe we could um, use um, an alternative to Firmino who is a bit more... Uh, uh, who, who scores a bit more goals? A uh, player like Daniel Sturridge, but uh, but an upgrade of Daniel Sturridge, who is another kind of player to 
to Firmino because, of course, Salah and Mané scores a lot of goals when Firmino plays in the middle of them. And uh, you don't need the goals to come from the central attacker if you have Salah and uh, Mané on the wings. Um, Firmino is, um, as I said, is, is very important. He has many assists. He scores a few goals. And uh, I was a bit worried when we played, uh, when we played West Ham uh, past, in the past Monday because he looked uh, tired. He looked slow, almost like he was... Um, when he came back from summer a few years ago, he looked like he was out of shape. And uh, he looked out of shape in the past Monday as well. And he has, he's been playing a lot this season. He started almost every game. And uh, maybe it's, um, he was a bit tired against West Ham, but he looked uh, he looked more fit when we played um, when we played uh, yesterday. And uh, hopefully, will uh, hopefully Klopp will play him up front a bit more in the remaining part of the season because we need to get our attack going again. It's been a bit too easy to defend against us in in uh, January. We won games. We haven't lost. Um, we drew to Leicester and West Ham and. If we want to start winning again, we need to score more goals and uh, we need to to finish the opponents earlier. When we scored 2-0 two, two, yesterday, the game was over. and We couldn't do that against West Ham, we couldn't do that against Leicester, and then we dropped points. So maybe we need to use Firmino as a striker more in the upcoming games just to, to get Salah and Mané going again. Um, I think that we might need an alternative for next season. Um, to Firmino, that so that he can rest, and so that we can use a more uh, a more attacking player than, than he is um, in some games. The player who scores more goals, who is um, maybe a bit uh, a natural goal scorer, because he is no natural goal scorer. He's a, he's an all round attacker that we can use almost in every position going forward. So, yeah, as I said, I I really admire Roberto Firmino and. Um, I think he's one of the most important players in our team, but uh, he needs to rest sometimes, and um, maybe it would be good for us if we find an alternative so that we don't have to play him every game next season. Yeah, uh, another player I want to talk to you about a little bit is Nabi Kaita, because he was very highly sought after. You guys managed to secure his his signature uh, before other clubs could even get in, because you, you had that uh, uh, by him the next year deal established. And what I find really fascinating about Keita is I have seen multiple Liverpool people on the timeline, just through all the work I've done with Anfield Index and stuff, have directly opposing views of a match that Keita's had. Either one of them says he's been amazing, the other one says he's crap, or he was good in this set of minutes, and then somebody else says he was bad that set of minutes. Why do you think it's so difficult for people to, to consistently view what Keita's doing, and how strong do you feel he's been at Liverpool since joining? Well, uh, first of all, I think there were we were quite a, were many Liverpool supporters who haven't really hadn't really seen him play 90 minutes before he came to us, and uh, maybe we thought uh, that he was better than he than he is. Uh, I think he's been uh, he was he was uh, good against Bournemouth. He was uh, good in the second half against West Ham, but apart from that, he's had a really tough season. And uh, my biggest issue with with him is that he he loses the ball in very dangerous positions he, he he tries to dribble away from the, the our penalty area instead of just uh, playing a bit more easy and uh, he's a creative player and uh, of course he needs to take chances but he need he also needs to decide when it's uh, when it's better to 
to just make the easier pass than uh, not to try to dribble past an opponent or making a difficult pass. He, um, I think he will be a good player for us next season, but this season I can't really see him uh, be a key player. Even though we made a few good things yesterday, it was against Bournemouth and we, we won quite easy. We had our three attacking players, had a good game, so it was it was an easy game for Keita to, to get a few assists and to to play the ball behind their back four so that Salah and Firmino could run behind them. Maybe I think it's been a trouble for him that we have used that uh, formation before to 3-1 because he has been playing out on the left side in that formation. That is not his natural position. He, um, he needs to be in the more in the middle of the pitch. And uh, yesterday with uh, Vinaldo and Fabinho, his position was uh, better suited for him. So maybe if we go back to this formation now for a few games, he will get some more game time. And uh, with Fabinho and Vinaldo next to him, he, he can make errors without, we, without conceding goal every time. So hopefully we will see him, uh, uh, see him better next season. Maybe we can see him uh, be a key player in the, end, in, the sec- in the last part of this season. But uh, I have to say that I, I had expected a lot more from him. And uh, of course, he's been injured a few times, but um, he came as a starting player. He started the first game. Fabinho had to wait a few months for um, before he could get going. And uh, it was the same we signed Andrew Robertson. He needed to wait a few months and then got going. Oxlade-Chamberlain needed to wait. But Keita started in the first game of the season. So Klopp, of course, thought that he should be a key player from the start. And... Uh, and he hasn't been. So it's not been a good season. He has looked better in the past games, but I had expected a lot more from him than we've seen so far. Hopefully, he, he can build on the game yesterday. And uh, of course, if he has a get, good game against Manchester United, maybe scores a goal or uh, assists the winning goal, we will be happy again. But um, I'm a bit nervous about what he has uh, done so far. Uh just in an arbitrary match, not to get specific about who you would want to match up against who, who would you like to be the three midfielders and in which positions would they start? Well, I'd, I'd have uh, Fabinho as a, in the defensive role. And then uh, Vinaldum, to me, is also one of the first players on the on the field. And the third player on the midfield is... You, you can say that it depends on who we're playing. If uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain is fit, he's great going forward. If we play a, a team that is better at attacking uh, team, maybe James Milner is a better player to, ha- to use. But uh, to me, uh, Fabinho and Vinaldo are uh, they should start almost every game. And um, if I had to choose the third player to start, I'd, I'd go with James Milner because he is. Uh, it doesn't matter who we play because he he can go forward and he can get he can defend. So right now I would say that that is my starting three in the midfield. But if we start Keita, if we start Henderson, Oxley, Chamberlain, Shakiri, we have uh, many options, and that I think that is the key for us going forward that we can use a different midfield um, if we use if we play. Um, Offensive teams, defensive teams. We can play in many ways now mm-hmm. because we have many alternatives in the middle. And that is certainly good news uh, indeed. 
Next up, we'll do uh, Player Watch, where we're going to be discussing uh, players that are about to miss out on minutes. Obviously, both Tottenham and Liverpool a little bit hobbled at the moment. Uh, so which players do you think that are starting right now will find minutes a bit harder to come by once everyone is back and fully fit? Well, obviously, Kev, uh, Lorente has done very well, I think, as a straight replacement for Harry, but you'd have to imagine he's is back on the bench. And uh, I, I think, obviously, as we said earlier, we can't drop Sonny with the form he's in, so it's going to be interesting to see how Potch juggles Moura and Eric Lamella once he's back fit as well. So the good thing is, I, I think one thing we saw in today's game was that even though we miss Delhi. Uh, when Ericsson steps up the way he did uh, and has the sort of game that he did today that we all know he's capable of, then we still look very potent um, going forward from the midfield, even even if we miss um, Delhi's unpredictability. Um, as I said earlier, I've, I've been very, very pleased with the contribution of Oliver Skip uh, in the, the handful of games that he he's had so far. And uh, so it, it, I think it'll be good for him to be in the squad and still be involved, even if he's if he's not starting again, it was it was good to see Danny Rose start today, and I thought again Harry Winks had a had a very good good game. But um, but as you said, I think we we have lost something uh, in that midfield with the departure of Musa Dembele. So there is there is that uh, hole to be addressed. But I think the the, the interesting one, uh, and it's not really injury related, but it's um, it's something you and I have talked about before is is Gazaniga. And and it's hard to see him getting into the first team with Hugo on the sort of form that he was on today. And uh, but again, we're we're lucky to have both of these guys. And it's he's going to need Gazaniga is going to need some outings. So it's um it's a, it's actually a shame. That's that's the shame that we're out of both cups. But uh, but there we go. So that's going to be a challenge to um uh to fit to fit him in at some point but uh, all in all i mean you know we're we're optimistic about we hear different dates for for harry coming back he might be back uh, uh i don't know for for the uh arsenal game perhaps but you uh, never know potch said in his presser this week maybe even the burnley one which would be our really? next premier league match okay. on the 22nd okay oh well then is his uh there's a difference between being fit and being match fit that so we'll, uh, we'll 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 wait and see so yeah, for Liverpool, it's uh, of course it's key for us to have Trent Alexander-Arnold back. He was on the bench yesterday, and of course he will he will start against Bayern Munich in uh, Champions League, and uh, that was that will first of all give us the opportunity to rotate more in the midfield because we don't need to play James Milner at right back, and uh, now that Matip is back, we don't need to play uh, Fabinho as central defender. So. Um, that defenders are coming back is uh, good both for the defense and the midfield. But uh, unfortunately, Joe Gomez seemed to be uh, quite a way back from being fit. He had an operation this week. And uh, even though they said that he would be back before the end of the season, I'm not sure that we will see him play too many games. And uh, that makes uh, Lovren and uh, Joel Matip the players to compete for the role next to um, Van Dijk. And they are both injury prone. so. I guess we'll see both of them play quite a lot, at least until April. And hopefully, Joe Gomez is back when the league is about to finish. Uh, so, the players who, need, who will uh, drop in game time now, of course, uh, Matip and Lovren will probably rotate a bit next to Van Dijk. And maybe James Milner will play, won't play as much because um, 
we have many options in midfield. And uh, as I said earlier, both Fabinho and Vinaldo means to play as often as they can. So James Milner start, has started uh, in the past games as a right-sided defender. And uh, now it uh, just is an option in midfield. So maybe his game time will drop. I don't think we will see Adam Lallana start any more games this season now that... Uh, Keita is, Keita is getting better. Milner is in midfield. Henderson is back from injury. Shakir is, uh, is playing well. And uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain is uh, on his way back. So let, we won't see Lalana uh, again this season. Not that from start, at least. And uh, since Alexander Arnold is back, uh, hopefully we don't need to play Jordan Henderson or James Milner at the uh, right back anymore this season. But uh, uh, I'm, I would really love to see Joe Gomez back soon because we played our best when he was next to Van Dijk and uh, even though Matip is, is a good defender but Gomez is a great defender Matip is a bit um, bit weak he, um, has, he uh, makes a few bad decisions every game and when Joe Gomez played next to Van Dijk he looked like a world class defender and uh, I think we need him back before the end of the season if we want to compete with Manchester City in uh, Premier League, and of course, if you want to go as far in Champions League as we did last season. So yeah. I, w- I would really like to see him back soon. But uh, we thought that he would be back now, but the injury was uh, worse than we thought. And uh, the operation in the last in this week was, of course, uh, not what we had hoped for. Uh, yeah, and then lastly, for those that don't know, when are you expecting uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain to be back and or helpful? Um, I've been talking about maybe... Uh, full training in March. I don't think we'll see him play until uh, April. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, but we thought that he wouldn't play at all this season. So every minute he plays now is a bonus. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't help this season, even if it just means he has a little bit more um, match time before next season when he'd fully be expected to participate again all right well unfortunately i've run us a little long so we don't have time for uh too long of match previews for champions league so just quickly uh thomas are you going to beat Bayern munich well uh, the first game is without Virgil van dyke so i'm uh, terrified of what uh, Lewandowski will do against us but mm-hmm. uh, if we don't concede too many goals in the first game i think we have a good chance of beating them over two games yeah, and then Steve, uh, no Kane or Delhi back in time, so I'm assuming you're also just hoping we limit the damage against Dortmund? I'd be very happy with a 1-0. Uh, if we can get Laurenti to, to stick one away. I mean, I, you know, Dortmund this weekend um, threw away a lead to Hoffenheim, so you know they may be on a, on a down. So, yeah, I'll take us to narrowly beat them. Yeah, no Royce. I'll take a 1-0, even if it means we lost, because then we'd still be in the tie <laughs> by the time still Kane and Delhi were back. Um, but we'll leave uh, today's show there guys thanks so much for coming on uh, if you'd like to tell the people where they could find you or anything you're working on now would be a good time uh, thanks very much for having me on again Kev uh, my name's Steve McGookin you can get me on Twitter at, at Steve McGookin or you can go to at nyspurs.com and if you don't mind uh, I'd just like to mention um, uh, the death recently of Hugh McElvaney a great sports writer especially if you're not familiar if, if somebody's sort of following the game uh, in the early stages uh, go and look up his, his work uh, he is just a fantastic uh, sports writer so thank you very much yeah, thanks for having me back at the show uh, I'm, uh, my name is Thomas Nygren you can find me on Twitter at Thomas Nygren I write about Liverpool on a website with, uh, called lfcsv.se. It's a Swedish website, we have, but we have a 
few segments in English. I'm also a regular at the Total Liverpool podcast. Um, everything on that podcast is in Swedish. So there are a few Swedish listeners out there. You can uh, try out our podcast. You should do a partnership with Duolingo to convince other people to learn Swedish so that they can <laughs> engage with your content. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's uh, a language that you have. You can use it in Sweden and maybe in Norway. <laughs> maybe. Um, I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can find my uh, fantasy articles for both uh, ESPN.com at ESPN.com slash fantasy, as well as uh, Goal Fantasy, which you can find under the gaming tab. Uh, thanks to you guys so much for coming on. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.